Hello, party people. This is the Just Ideas podcast. My name's Andy. I'm with Andy, and these are Just Ideas. In today's episode, we talk about the need to offend, World War II sitcoms, and the idea that got Bill Maher fired overnight. One day, McIntyre Jr. is sitting on the couch, and he's scrolling through Twitter. And then all of a sudden, he says, Dad. Mr. McIntyre goes, what, son? Junior says, well, I just saw this Twitter post, and it says that Jerry Seinfeld will no longer be performing on college campuses because everyone gets offended by his humor. And McIntyre goes, ah, that's the problem with your generation. Humor can just be humor. It doesn't need to be offensive. McIntyre Jr. goes, oh, you need to watch for people's feelings, Dad. McIntyre just kind of grumbles. What do you think? Well, this is the thing, isn't it? I think the world would be a lot better if people got offended less. And I realize that I might be in a position of, you know, of a group of people who aren't going to get picked on. And I don't want to be unsympathetic. It's just that um, being overly sensitive and getting offended. And I guess my other question is, since when do we have a right not to get our feelings hurt? Like, you, you know, I speak classes to 150 people. And if, you know, if I got to say something that not one out of, you know, three classes of 150, that's if I offend one out of 450 people, I shouldn't have said it. You know, I, I don't, I think it's a problem. Okay. Well, don't you think that um, there is something to be said about preserving everyone's feelings and maybe that's the progressive ideal is to, you know, maybe just walk back your controversial tone or your controversial message and, you know, just be concerned firstly with everyone's feelings. What do you say to that? No, I think um, having your feelings hurt is like um, exercising. And I mean, sooner or later, if you are a, um, you know, people are, you're going to get your feelings hurt. And if you get them hurt enough, then they stop getting hurt and you become able to address new ideas, consider new ways of looking at things. But if people have a right not to have their feelings hurt, no new ideas can be expressed. No controversial ideas can be you know, looked at to figure out if they have any merit. So I think people should get their feelings hurt on purpose so that they you know, can function in society. Because if you're going to, you know, we've talked about this before, you're not going to, it's the, the snowplow going before the people to make sure there's nothing offensive there. Then when you finally get out on your own, you know, you will have no... Um, you know, no practice at being offended and having your feelings hurt. Yeah. So you think that, you know, if we have the snowplow on now, you take it off and then everyone's, you know, they're screwed. They're under the snow because you think that the snow's going to keep coming regardless of the plow. Yes. So I have a story I'm going to tell you, and it's about a, a lecture I do in my, uh, in my class. And the lecture is called, wouldn't it be great if people got offended a lot less? And I think okay. in this story, we can show what I'm talking about. So I, asked, right. so I asked the students, I said, how many of you have heard of a sitcom called Hogan's Heroes? And I'm going to ask you, have you ever heard of it? No, not a day in my life. Okay. Surprisingly, you know, probably 15, 20% of the class has heard about it. It was a sitcom from the 60s about okay. World War II. And, and it, was, uh, it was set in a prisoner of war camp. And there were you know, some Americans, a Brit, a French. And then you had 
you know, Nazis with swastikas and, you know, the, the Germans and everything. And it was a sitcom. It started in 1965, 20 years after World War II ends. Six million Jews exterminated, 30 million people killed. The whole world is at war. 20 years later, we got a sitcom and we're laughing at it. Was it an offensive sitcom? Well, I don't know what you mean by offensive, but the, the format was there were Nazis and it was a sitcom, right? Okay, so maybe just inherently it was offensive. So here's my question. Well, nobody was offended. It was a very popular show. Here's my question. Oh. I tell my students. I said, now, you think about it. If we're going to have a lecture about wouldn't it be great if people weren't offended, I'm going to have to offend them, right? Right. But I don't want to offend them because people get mad if you offend them. So sure, I said it like this. We need for you to get offended, but I don't want to do it because I would never say anything that's going to offend you, I say, right? So I okay. say, let's assume there's an offensive idea at the front of the room sitting next to me, okay? And they right. can't see it, but I can. So All I right. say, now I see this offensive idea. Now I would never tell you what this idea is because it would be offensive but somebody has to say it because it's sitting right here and somebody has to say it because we need an offensive idea out there. So I'm not okay. saying it, but since I can see it and you can't, I'm going to tell you what it is, understanding <laughs> that I'm not saying it. You know what I mean? I understand what you mean. Do you think they're going to be on board with it? Here it comes. Okay. Why don't we have a sitcom about 9-11? Oh, boy. No way they're on board with that. No, you could hear the air go out of them. It's a uh -huh. total shock, right? They can't, but once I said it, I think last year someone yelled, what's funny about that, right? Very, very yeah. offensive. And I said, now, as you know, a lot of my students are, uh, are very religious. I said, so I'm going to show you a miracle. I'm going to show you a miracle right now. One of these young 20-year-olds is going to raise their hand and explain to you why it might be a good idea to have a sitcom about 9-11. I said, there's no plants. I'm ju I just know one of you actually knows why it might be a good idea to have a sitcom about 9-11. And in okay. th this semester, three classes in a row, the first kid to raise their hand said, satire and humor is a way of humans dealing with things that are difficult to process. And when you can look at it in humor, you're able to maybe look at things you can't look at because they're so painful. And I said, yeah, like Saturday Night Live, right? You can either make fun of the politicians or you can cry. But satire has always, right, political cartoons, we learn about in history, the political cartoon had an amazing impact on people standing up to power. Right? It's interesting. I, I'll, I'll interject real quick, yeah. is just to evolve your point a little bit, it is interesting, it's a little bit, you know, a hard thing to swallow, maybe exactly, but there's this comedian, his name's Pete Davidson, he was actually on SNL, and kind of his joke that I think everyone could cite it, are his jokes about his dad, who was a firefighter who actually perished in 9-11, you know, working that crisis. And he tells jokes all about it. Um, and people know them. 
And I think for him personally, that's how he copes with it is through his jokes. You know, humor is how he deals with it. Now, I don't know about his, the entire state of his mental health, if that's a facade, but some people laugh along with him and then some people admonish him for those types of jokes. Yeah, and, and the thing is that, you know, at, this is a country, it used to be a country in 1965 that could process World War II through humor and, and satire, right? And it, it makes us tough because nothing gets us down because whatever it is, we can process it and go on. So if we're losing our ability to process things, it seems like we're becoming a weaker culture because our culture can take anything and process it. And you look around the world, there are horrible things happening in countries, you know, compared to what happened. There's, you know, all kinds of, you know, wars in, in, in civil wars in Africa where people are living in misery year after year after year. And, you know, young kids, literally young kids fighting the battle and so forth. And, you know, they're getting through. I think if you want to have a tough culture, you need to face this stuff and process this stuff. Yeah, and I understand that. I will say, to try and put things still in perspective, is that the 9-11 sitcom, in its hypothetical nature, would occur, say, in 2021, which is a totally different society than the society that the World War II documentary would have you know, catered to back in the 1960s. And I think the underlying pin here is that, you know, do you prefer the tough love method of, like, you know, laugh, it's not, you know, we can overcome, it's all right, or do you prefer the opposite of tough love and, you know, maybe a nurturing love? And maybe that's where we're at now is you need a nurturing love instead of a tough love. What do you think about that? Well, idea? I, don't think it's, I don't think it's tough love. I think it's um, a processing of facing, right, facing what happened. So let me take my story a little bit further. So I, okay. tell, um, I tell the class that, you know, during uh, my time in school, uh, at least earlier school, the Vietnam War was a big thing and uh, you know we we were growing up thinking that we you know we might be drafted and it's something that you needed to think about and i said you know and, and the more we learned about the by the way when the vietnam war ended i was instructed you know our teachers said everybody stand up and clap we won the war and i'm like what uh, and i'm like okay yeah we won the war and then i get to college and some you know commie pinko troublemaker professor says we didn't win the, the Vietnam War. And I'm like, what? And I call my dad. He's like, yeah, you dumbass. We didn't win that war. But like I was told as a kid when it was over, you know, that we won. That's not processing and you stood up and clapped. What's that? And you stood up and clapped. Yeah, stood up and clapped. The whole class stood up and clapped. We won, right? <laughs> and, you know, it makes you feel good. But it's not the truth. And I think, you know, you got and I think you can tell in every podcast we talk about, you've got to figure out a coping method to get next to the truth. The further you are from the truth, <coughs> excuse me, the rougher your life is going to be. So if humor yeah. can process stress to get you, if you can make fun of yourself, if you can laugh at yourself, laugh at your failures, you're more likely to admit them, you're more likely to fix them. So I don't think it's mm. tough love you know, versus um, nurturing. Um, we, we can talk about that another day. I, I would add this. So I said, look at the Vietnam War. The Vietnamese lost two to four million people. And you read about that war, you know, we were just messing up that country, right? There was, there was and it went on and on and on and on. And, and two to four million Vietnamese people were killed. It's hard to tell 
because there was, you know, starvation and, you know, disease and all these other things. But that's that's the estimates sure. between two and four million. And seemingly the Vietnamese people have forgiven us. They send students. Yeah, I mean, time heals all wounds. what's that? I, it seems like time heals all wounds. That and a little bit of politics, well, right? They send students to our universities, right? A lot of Vietnamese students. Yeah. Um, we can go there on a tourist visa. Lots of trade between the countries, right? They're very hardworking yeah. country. A lot of entrepreneurs. A lot of businesses going. You know, you and you know, my friends have traveled over there, and there's no animosity whatsoever. So we killed two to four million Vietnamese. Seemingly, they forgave us. So I, I tell my class, I'm no biblical scholar, but Christianity and, and Jesus had a lot of teaching about forgiveness. So I say, when are we going to forgive the people who bombed during 9-11? And at least 15 or 20 people yell out, never, very loudly, very passionately, and lots of heads nodding up and down. Well, you know, unfortunately, you're right. And, you you know, I've, I've actually sat in your class and seen some of those types of people that, you know, immediately say, we're never going to do it. And it's unfortunate because I think there are two sides to the American Christianity. And, you know, in my opinion, I would want to forgive. And, and hard as it may be, that's what we're commissioned to do as Christians. But there are people that just kind of take it surface level. And they're like, people use religion and, and Christianity specifically in America, and they twist it to kind of fit their agenda instead of twisting themselves to fit its agenda. And it's kind of a sad thing to see, really. And I think Americans as a whole, and this is something you hear traveling around the world, you know, you, you, you hear that Americans are naive. In most countries, yeah. they're closer to reality, closer to the facts. They, they have to, they can face more reality and get through the day than Americans can, right? And we come across as very yeah. naive. So a lot of times, right-wing nut jobs would accuse some of, would, would consider some of the things I do in class, they would say, that's America bashing. But I would say, and, and I'm not, in favor of America bashing, but pointing out the negative side of America so Americans understand the negative side of America makes you more sophisticated, allows you to get closer to the truth, and then when you travel abroad or conduct international business, you're not seen as ignorant and arrogant. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, that is something that employers, you know, being as a college student, employers talk to us about and career advisors talk to us about is, you know, go on a study abroad trip or make an effort to be more worldly because all being worldly really means is just learning more and having knowledge and, you know, being able to relate and have a new perspective. That's all that is, is just being, that's all that worldly means is just learning, you know, and it's an absolutely important way of learning because when you start to, if you want to work for someone big time, you know, if you want to work for Goldman Sachs, you want to work for a big, um, you know, IT firm or something, they, they expect you to kind of have that perspective and they call it worldliness. So Bill Maher was, um, his show used to be on ABC. And uh, after 9-11, okay. I'm not sure how long after 9-11, obviously too close. He said that he hoped when we built the new building in its place, we put a little exhibit in the corner called Why They Hate Us. And that was considered so offensive, his show was thrown off of ABC. And this is a perfect example to me of, of the type of offensiveness, right? Because sometimes when you run a show and you say, I don't think we should be so offended, you think, well, you know, I'm not, I'm not advocating that we shouldn't be 
um, you know, respectful towards, say, you know, women's issues and minority issues. But that's the kind of offensive that, that I think makes us weak, right? So when they blew up our World Trade Center, half of America had, couldn't fathom why anybody would do that, right? So Bill Maher's like, like right. there's a reason. You go back and look at the, you know, the way the United States has interacted, particularly with Iran, you know, overthrowing a democratically elected dictator, and then, I'm sorry, a democratically elected president, and then propping up a dictator, right, against the people. Like, we messed that up. And if Americans know that, you will not be ignorant, you will not be arrogant. So I don't think you do anti-American stuff for the sake of doing anti-American stuff, but I think you have to see both sides of the coin. It gets you to reality. It causes other people to respect you more when you can face reality. So my punchline is, if we're all gonna get offended, it's gonna keep us away from reality. And interestingly, it's getting on both sides. There's now a list of things the liberals won't let us talk about, and there's a list of things the conservatives won't let us talk about. Those lists gets much longer, People in the middle like me can't talk about anything. <laughs> we have no podcast at that yeah, point. Yeah, we'll be like Seinfeld. We'll, you know, we'll have, you know, just play that <laughs> ad that you have. Yeah, exactly. All right, well, I think that's a perfect way to end it. Um, I will leave you with this if you want to keep pursuing this idea. I think a good um, microcosm of the example of two sides of the coin and what I'd recommend to you too, um, Dr. Eric, is it's a documentary about the Oklahoma City bombing. And I think it's on Netflix. I think it's just called The Oklahoma City Bombing. And it really helps you get into the mind of why someone would do domestic domestic terrorism and kind of their perception of America and America's perception of them. And it is really quite um, radical and interesting. But today we'll close it off. And for Just Ideas, my name's Andy, and that was Andy.